This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, Flamethrowers. Amira here with a hot take. I am joined um, by Andrea Carter, uh, ESPN and SEC Network analyst, basketball analyst, um, former uh, Vol, Lady Vols. You know, we have so much love uh, for UT here at Burn It All Down. And I'm super excited to catch up and talk about the end of the season of the NCAA tournament, which I can't believe is already over. It feels like it came and went so fast. Um, And then as we turn our eyes to the draft tonight, the WNBA draft kicks off. And so I had to call you up and and get your insight on uh, what's going on in women's basketball. So welcome to Burn It All Down. What, turn up the flames or, you know, what, burn it all down? Light a match, all of it. (laughs) Light a match, there we go. Yeah, so, you know, usually we burn the stuff we don't like in sports, like, you know, trash NCA decisions to continue to deprive women of equitable access to sports, things like that. Um, And then we highlight torchbearers who are leading the way of how we love sports to see, like yourself and a lot of other Black women absolutely killing it in the analyst game right now. Love Um, that. Shout out to Monica McNutt. Yes. Oh, she's killing it. Maria Taylor. Absolutely. Absolutely. Lots of friends of the show, LaChina, Ari, like, you know, it's just a whole crew. I feel like there's a moment. Um, and, And we could definitely talk about that as well. So first and foremost, what a postseason tournament that was. I mean, did it, what were your biggest surprises? Uh, were you happy with the ending? What shocked you from the tournament and what, um, what were you happy to see? You know, I was so happy to see such competitive basketball. Um, you know, like the games were, it was almost where, you know, how everybody thinks of March Madness and even the March Madness tag is just for the men, right? Mm-hmm. And instead, it's March Madness because anybody could win. Right. And everybody says that about the men's tournament. But the thing about the women's is you've always kind of known who is going to make it to the final four, who is going to make it. And that was not the case this year, Absolutely. right? Like, and that's that's the fun part. Like, if anything, there was a bigger push this year more than ever that, hey, the women need to be March Madness too. And we are March Madness, you know, Wright State, the upsets, Arizona, yeah. and just the games going down to the wire, but not because it was two bad basketball teams, like games going down to the wire because there were two quality, talented, well-coached basketball teams going at it. And I think that it was just, it was so much fun. Arizona was obviously, you know, such a surprise for me, really the PAC 12, like shout out to the PAC 12, because I'm obviously an SEC person. And we always say SEC is the most competitive you know, league in the nation, but the Pac-12, you know, was like, hey, here we are. Uh, yeah. And so just, I thought it was such a fun tournament, great basketball, um, just all around. I couldn't have been happier for 
a year, any year, but especially in a pandemic that these, Mm -hmm. the women just showed up and showed out. Absolutely. Now I, I agree with you. Shout out to the PAC 12. I have to say, I wasn't surprised by Arizona, but mostly because they were my sleeper pick last year. Um, uh, my former student, Amari Carter was on the team balling out. And I was like, and there's tape it's on the record for anybody who wants to go find it. I was like, watch out for Arizona. So I was, you know, even though they beat um, A&M and I was like really sad for Lexi, I was super hyped to see that for Adia and, um, you know, for Aerie. And I was just, I was really happy about that, but um, I was surprised about the SEC's general showing because I said all year SEC basketball this past year felt just at such a high level. Every game was competitive. All of these schools were really looking like we talk about parity overall, but parity in the SEC this year to me, like I was watching these games. I mean, Kentucky and Arkansas and, you know, LSU and like all of these games were hard fought. There was bodies hitting the, hitting the floor everywhere, you know? So I was, I think actually a bit surprised that, um, the SEC in the postseason didn't have that kind of end of the road might like I, that the PAC 12 ended up having. Um, so I would say that was definitely caught me a little bit off guard, but it was, I agree with you. Um, the madness was all on the women's side this year. Like, you know, a lot of those men's games of, you know, Jalen Suggs late games, uh, theatrics, notwithstanding a lot of the games were just not super compelling. And yet on the women's side, like you said, down to the wire, last shot, last miss shot, last rebound, yep. you know, absolutely. Um, and even just fighting about fouls and calls. And it just, there was a kind of energy crackling in the air around it. Oh, yes. And I loved the just involvement from pros, you know, men and women in the women's tournament. And, you know, you did say the SEC, it's, it was so heartbreaking because in my opinion, like sleeper teams from the SEC would have been the two teams that like didn't get in Ole Miss and LSU because Mm -hmm. of their defense, right? Like so many of the teams that we saw end up winning or pulling off upsets were the ones that played defense. And so I think that that was, you know, I would have been so hyped because I think Ole Miss could have made a pretty deep run had they Mm -hmm. made it because of their scrappy defense. So as a whole, yeah, the SEC, um, we got to do better next year. We got to get further. Yeah. And you know what? I would say like the things about basketball this year that really stuck out to me was really, you know, it's always a story about black women for me, but like the SEC and the number of black women coaches they have in the SEC and black women analysts and just balling out. Like for me, I have, I think there's such a bright future for where um, that specific, you know, league is going that I'm so I'm so hyped to see it next year um, and to see some of these rivalries that people like you said it's not even on the map but like those defenses like mm-hmm. <laughs> first yeah. of all why can't AM beat LSU at LSU like it's just <laughs> like these are the questions so I'm like so excited to see you know what happens next year but as much yeah. as we you know can reflect of course we have the WNBA draft upon us so uh, tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, we have yet another WNBA draft and we have a bunch of people, you know, a, such a talented uh, draft class coming into this. Um, 
there's been quick movement. You know, the Wings trade the, <laughs> traded uh, that <laughs> right? number seven pick to the Sparks right before the draft deadline. So think shaking things up a little bit. But I think it's kind of everybody's expecting um, our, obviously Charlie Collier to go first. Um, yeah. Who else do you have your eye on in this draft class? Oh, man. You know, I think that Ari McDonald definitely made a strong case just with the way that she played her dominance the chip on her shoulder just the fearlessness um the ability to get to the rim you know I was listening to Adia Barnes actually in an interview and I, I completely agreed with her when she said that Ari might actually shoot a better percentage in the WNBA because she won't have to do everything right right so I shot. see yeah. I yeah so I see some people talking about you know her you know McDonald's shooting percentage and field goal percentage, but she's not going to have to work as hard to get those shots. Right. So I think that there's so much potential there for her just because of the way that she was able to put a team on her back and play in such big moments. It's like, Oh, she won't even have to do all that when she comes to our team. Right. And so WNBA teams, I definitely think could, could think that. Um, I think Dijon Carrington as well, just a, Ooh, yes. Right. You know, just such a big as far as scoring and physical. Like when I think of Charlie Collier, when I think of Dijanae Carrington, I think of like grown women, you know, absolutely. like, and I would not, put Arella with them. Um, yes. You know, that yes. is absolutely like my big three, because not only are they grown women, they're such versatile. grown. Yes. Women. Yep, exactly. And that's that's the thing. Um, I think they go early because they're just they're strong the way they move they're powerful you know how some people they get to the league and they've got to get that strength or they've mm -hmm. got to get that kind of attitude I feel like all three of those women have kind of that grown-ish factor about them where it's, it's just basketball it's there's nothing else really that they have to you know learn they've just got that it factor and they've just got to play the game and I think that that'll be you know their games translate really well to being pros in my opinion yeah absolutely I agree with you and the other person who I would kind of put up there maybe just like one half step down is Chelsea Dungy um, oh yeah and I think that she has the potential to be that same kind of playmaker I just think that you know her her team structure again relied on her a lot um yep. and yep. and I think that she's somebody who we don't we haven't really even seen her potential yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for, to see, you know, where Chelsea falls as well. Yep. Yep. I know it's so, it's all just so, I don't want to say like, just, it could be anything, right? Because you don't know like our team, what are teams looking for the most? Right. And you also don't know the internal dynamics of a team, like teams, sometimes when they're looking to bring in a player, they're also looking you to think about personalities. And we don't mm -hmm. even know the ins and outs of the personalities of the team. So that's what makes the draft so interesting and, and mock drafts and, and things like that. You know, like for me, I'm like, oh, I feel like Chelsea Dungy could fit in Vegas because mm -hmm. obviously they don't have Kayla McBride, who was a really dynamic scorer, who was a wing. So I'm like, oh, Chelsea Dungy, dynamic scorer, you know, can defend kind of the four, the three and the four. But we also don't know what else the aces might be looking for, right? But I think that there are just so many players that in this draft class that can be solid, solid pieces to a team that needs them.
you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think that, you know, part of that is like, we also know the college players, but of course there's some really great players coming in from overseas. I mean, I really think it's hard. And so then we're at a place that we get to every year, which is that there is so much talent and just not enough spots. Um, And I know that there's been this renewed conversation this year about that, especially we saw this last year with COVID, right? That because of COVID, some early draft picks couldn't even step foot on the court to try to vie for their spot. Um, And and now it's kind of bottlenecked as well. And so there's a, a discussion kind of underway of is, do we add more roster spots? Do we think of expansion? Is it both? Is it something else? You know, where are you kind of at that point when you're looking at the W and you're looking at this enormous traction that they keep building, um, you know, especially from that CBA all the way through their their pioneering uh, season last year and they just have kept that momentum absolutely and now the they're kind of building with the momentum of the tournament so it just feels like women's basketball is having a a certain type of chapter a certain type of moment I was talking to Sue Bird um, for this thing we did for South by Southwest and she said it feels different right now the energy Mm -hmm. just feels different and so I'm wondering for you you know who's been in and around the game of basketball as a player and as an analyst when you're looking at the W now you're looking at the future of women's basketball what are some things that you're thinking about how do we how do we better use all of this talent so that people aren't getting pushed out of the league when they you know could absolutely compete yeah you know it's so interesting because I feel like there I think there definitely could be one or two more teams right like obviously you know you put one on the east maybe you put one on the west and because there are so many talented players like there are franchise players and like a few and you want to have a few like on each team right like in the NBA there's like a big three on certain teams or a big two right and I think that in the WNBA there are a lot of teams with like franchise players that you could separate and create a whole new team with Mm -hmm. you know and like build a team around players that are on teams together right now so I absolutely definitely think that there could be more teams you know and you see people that have a ton of money right that are looking to buy an NBA team and I think that the vibe could change very quickly to instead of buying a current NBA team maybe I'll create another WNBA team you know what I mean just because like you said with Sue the energy is so strong around these women and these athletes and what they're doing and you know they're just filling spaces that have never been felt filled out before you know they're all over fashion we've got women in gaming now we've got so many women doing so many different things in the WNBA it's in its 25th season and why not create one more team and generate more hype around these women right and so I think that there's definitely momentum I think that there could be conversations for sure and obviously I don't know the logistics or ins and outs or dynamics of what it takes to create a team but if the facilities are there and the space is there during the WNBA season, um, you know, who knows? So uh, I definitely think that the league is going to grow and expand because the talent level, like if you think about Sabrina Unescu, right. When Paige Beckers comes into the league, Sabrina Unescu is going to be a fifth year vet, right. She's not even going to be a rookie anymore. Right. Right. And then some of the vets, Skylar Diggins is probably still going to be playing at that time. Right. So it's like, where, where, 
we have to create room for the amazing rookies that are coming in, right? Caitlin Clark, Sabrina Unesco, all these play- Aaliyah Boston, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zaya Cook. When those players get into the WNBA, there are still going to be some veterans that are here right now that are still playing. So we right. need we need room. We need more spaces, and it's going to be way even more fun and more competitive, or more roster spots. I mean, the league there are a lot of games, so having a few more spots on each team could also give some of the franchise players more rest time you know what I mean so there, there are obviously a lot of things that I think could either generate more hype if we add more teams or go for create even better basketball if we add more roster spots and can take a little pressure off the wear and tear of these women so um a lot of options that I hope that whoever is in decision make decision making chairs which I hope to be in one day um I hope it just keeps going with with this momentum Absolutely. And I would say the other thing I'm really excited for is just like what happens when the game changes and you watch vets have to reinvent their game. Because yes. one of the things that I took away from, from, you know, watching people like Cameron Brink, who is, by the way, my favorite player, because she played like I used to play, which is super aggressive. I saw that push. Yes, I don't care. <laughs> but the thing about players like Cameron and like, you know, we, we talked about this, uh, some of these other plays in the draft is is that they literally are a new kind of prototype of player, like who can out-rebound you, can play down low, who can, uh, you know, shoot from behind the arc, who can shoot mid-range, who can get down and back in D- on D. Like, it's just so, yep. it's going to be so interesting to watch how the league contends with players who have trained in a kind of new type of versatility um, yes. that are really kind of coming on and, you know, if we can get some equitable weight rooms and, you know, things like that, seeing how uh, strength training and conditioning and, you know, uh, more investment in resources um, actually pours not talent into the league that also changes the face of the league that requires vets to, you know, like vets we've seen across sports who've reinvented their games and come back better, stronger, more precise, Um, You know, I think, I just think the future is up and up from here. And one part of that, you know, to bring it all the way back full circle is it is so dope to also get this game brought to us by the voices and and broken down by the voices of Black women. Um, And, you know, it seems like there's a cohort of y'all who are kind of just coming um, and just popping up, whether it's on ESPN or, you know, Candace holding it down on TNT or, you know, just everywhere I look, I'm like, yo, there is definitely like a cohort of them coming on strong, which is perfect to see. What is it like? Um, What has your journey been like? What is it like to be an analyst right now in this moment with this kind of group? Um, And where do you see, you know, on the sidelines, um, the future being for Black women in ball? You know, I think it's, I couldn't have asked for a better time or position to come into this field because, I mean, you said it, it's like a cohort. It really does feel like a family and a team, right? Like if I call Carolyn Peck, she's either going to answer or she's going to text me and say, hold on, or she's going to call me back. Same thing with LaChina, same thing. Like Maria, she's one of the busiest women in the world. And I texted her one day and I was like, listen, I really need to talk to you about something. And she got back to me. Right. Or Monica McNutt, she'll send me people like, Hey, you know, I maybe something that she couldn't do. Right. Cause she's all over the place, literally doing every single thing in the world. Cause she's amazing, but things that she can't do. 
she doesn't just like keep them in her back pocket. She'll send them to me. She'll be like, Hey, do you want to do this? Because I'm already booked for something. Right. And so there's just a togetherness. Lachina Robinson, I've called her in tears. I've called her to rejoice. I've everything like our, it is so amazing to see and feel genuinely that people around you and people that are in the same space as you want you to do well right like it is the best like I just I have so many examples I think about just just being on set with Monica and we're breaking down okay how how are we going to do you know this halftime and I might have one game and she has another game but she might be like oh Drea you know I just noticed this stat you should say that right so you see how like it's not her being like hey let me say this about your game she's like hey Drea you should say this and I'm like oh I didn't even notice that right and so there's just a teammate feel or I see her on something or you know LaChina like I'll tune in on things just to listen to her or or Ross or anyone just because you want to hear what they're saying and you want to support them even with the coaches like you know Don Staley has been like you're doing a great job. And she doesn't have to say that to me. Like she, she never has to say that to me ever in her life or Kyra Elsie or Nikki Fargus. I mean, mm-hmm. all of us, there is just a togetherness. And I'm so thankful because you hear horror stories about right. women that are territorial of their space or women that don't want you in their space. And I feel like for all of us, it's like, no, we want as many of us in this space as possible. Exactly. So you need some notes on this team here you go. I had them last week. These were the stories I had on them. Use them all. Right. Like it's just, I feel so convicted that my mentors and my colleagues in this space are supportive and we're a team and we're, you know, I can almost get emotional about it because that's what it feels like. And how lucky am I to just be pulled up by and pushed forward by so many amazing women that are just paving the way and just doing this thing it's um it's awesome it's I couldn't be more thankful because they are every single woman like is just amazing and they're just like pulling me along and here I am just like you know just like kind of hanging on to them like I even nah you're pulling too sis you're right there there. You know, I messaged Candace last night and I was just like, you look amazing and you sound even better. Right. And she's in the middle of a show and she writes me back and is like, thank you. Love you. You know, like, Mm. it's just, there's just a connection and there's just like a, Hey, I'm pulling for you and I'm rooting for you. And I feel that across the board. Um, I think the future is really bright. You know, I've had people reach out to me, um, that might want to get into this space and I'm very quick to share everything I can just like the women above me shared for me and shared with me. So I think that for all of us, you know, like Zora who just called a Bucks game, right. Or for me, like we're kind of the next wave, I think, um, you know, even, you know, Chanae or anyone that's in the space, that's a little bit younger. I think we're going to do the same exact thing that was done for us and pay it forward. And so I just think it's going to keep going and the future is bright or the future is of color or however you want to say yeah. it um so it's awesome I love it a flame look a at that flame. fire reference no absolutely and I just is a testament you know I every time I see it I love it because there's such choices and like you said there's horror stories and it's like 
what does it look like to pull along and push up and lift as you climb? And I just am so grateful that y'all are on the screen holding it down and writing columns and tweeting yeah. and doing all the things. So, you know, absolutely doing, being torchbearers, passing that torch. I look forward um, to breaking it down. This will not be the last conversation that we have for sure. Yes. Um, but I, I have been really appreciative of your voice um, throughout the uh, NCA season. And thank you so much for joining Brenna All Down to break down the draft as well. I wish you well. I hope that we have a fun draft night. Um, I hope the coverage isn't janky. So, you know, <laughs> things to watch for. We're always building. But, you know, like you said, the future is bright. It's aflame. Um, and and you and, and the Black women around you in that cohort give me a lot to root for and hope for moving forward. So, Drea, thank you so much for coming on Burn It All Down. Thank you. Same to you. Keep being great. Love your work. And we're all in this together.